1: This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast where we have probably got Everton's most exciting match of the season (laughs) to be talking about uh, this afternoon as we record. Uh, I'm your host Adam Jones, today joined by Chris Beasley and Gav Buckland. We were all there. Uh, yesterday, when Everton played Boreham Wood in the FA Cup fifth round, Everton secured a 2-0 win, eventually thanks to a brace in the second half from Salomon Rondon. Uh, Chris, as I say, you were you were sat next to me in the stadium. Yeah. Uh, it was rough going, <laughs> to say the least, uh, especially in the first half for Everton, but at the end of the day, it was job done really, wasn't it?
0: It wasn't the end, it yeah. wasn't the end, wasn't it? Yeah, um I suppose these kind of games are always difficult if you don't get yourselves uh, ahead early on. Um would Wood, obviously 11 men behind the ball. And I think also you've got to sort of look at it's a bit different. I know that Tottenham played Marine, was it last season in the competition? And they had an easy win up there in Crosby, um, was it 6-0 in the end, something mm-hmm. like that. But I think there's a big difference probably between that sort of non-league level and those who were sort of like the high-flies in the National League, like Sabore like and Ward. I don't think there's very much between them and like the League Two sides now. So, to, to be fair, they did make it difficult. And the emphasis was on Everton as the Premier League side to sort of take the game. So, them and they struggled, I thought, the team selection naming five defenders at home against um, a non-league team. Okay, you say the two full-back were further up the field, but you had five recognised defenders on the pitch uh, starting against a non-league team. So I thought I thought they'd make the change at half-time, which they did do. Brought Richarlison on straight away from the start of the second half. I thought Nathan Patson was very really unlucky. would probably go into that. It was his debut. I thought it was unfortunate to be the fall guy. They want to miss out. But yeah, Got there in the end. Maybe could have been a, another one if it had been a board wood. That one would have counted. <laughs> Home disadvantage for Everton with VAR and the, the handball there. But yeah, job done. But yeah, it wasn't convincing. There was a, there was a big crowd there for the, you know, despite the ITV cameras being there, sold out against an league team. And I thought we were hoping, weren't we, there'd be a bit of a, a bit more entertainment for that. A lot, I suppose there'd be a lot of youngsters in the crowd as well, experiencing Goodison perhaps for the first time. It wasn't to be, but yeah, they're they're in that they're in the draw now. And um, in the end, it, it was comfortable with Alexei. it was it was no sort of a spectacle, unfortunately.
1: Mm. As Chris mentions, there, Gav, you know, Everton started with five defenders on the pitch, and you know, necessarily that doesn't mean that it's a defensive system. But Everton had a lot of the ball in that first half, and they weren't really able to do much with it. Where the you know the midfielders weren't being any sort of creative outlets. It was only really Anthony Gordon, who was managing to be a, a creative outlet on the night, well, in that first half at least, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, you get the impression that the team and, and possibly a Frank Lampard team is more um, comfortable when the opposition have got the ball and they can they can counter. I don't think we've got the players to play against a deep-line defence. We've got an absence of creativity in the midfield and now Van der Bakes coming to the side, he'll be that add a little bit. Um, but we have got a, you know, the two central midfielders are not really going to create that much in terms of having flair and imagination. Um, add that in, that was Patterson's debut and that always makes it slightly awkward as well. Remember, and I think we spoke about it at half time. I said, well, how many goals do you think we've got on the pitch there? You know, not many. You, you can score your goals and um, it proved that in the first half. And... It goes back to what Chris is saying. People are saying when you play an on me team, people say, Oh, well, you better them. So they well, you went three or four nil. But if you play an on me team and, and, and who, who are good enough to organise themselves, and the easiest thing in professional football is to organise the defence is five, five, and then four in front. Any decent team is going to initially struggle. Um, with that, our problem was it was made worse by the fact our delivery from our wide was woeful wasn't it the first half either too too short or too far drifted out into touch um, and they needed a, a much needed tactical change give credit to Frank with that by the way to change it to four four two to give ourselves more firepower down the middle of the pitch that had been missing in the first half and also I think it thought passes in the towns end were getting in each other's way weren't they, in the first half they were sort of occupying the same part of the pitch and consequently there was no space that, that gave us space, didn't it, uh, to attack and we, we got got the goal, the more important first one from from that alone. Mm. Well, after the game,
1: Chris Lampard kind of suggested that he, well, I think he used the word interesting when he was talking about his side in the first half and yeah. how slowly they, they were playing. You know, yeah. as I said, previously they had a lot of possession, but it was very much in front of the Boreham players, wasn't it? I know they were playing a, a very deep back line, but yeah. there was nobody really trying to Run beyond them. There was no sort of quick passing interchanges yeah. that we saw against, you know, like Leeds and against Man City. W- were you a little bit surprised by that? Or did you kind of expect that? Because, you know, obviously it it's a hard it's it is just harder for a Premier League side to get themselves up for a game like this one. And of course, Lampard made six changes to this team as well, didn't he?
0: Yeah. I mean like I like said, um, yeah, of course you're going to be fully committed and you you wanna um sort of get the job done. But, yeah, it's going to be a totally different atmosphere, isn't it, than uh, Le- against, obviously, Leeds United had such. It was almost like parallels to the last day of the season, the Wimbledon's <laughs> and Coventries, which was, obviously, it's nowhere near that sort of... But, you know, we ever knew, everyone knew Everton needed a win. They really had to win that day. And, like, obviously, Manchester City as well, big occasion, You playing the Premier League champions and the, um, the current top-of-the-table side. So, yeah, it was, it was a bit flattering and you sort of imagine that with the atmosphere and it's up to the players to sort of to, to build the crowd's excitement around them but yeah I was surprised in terms of the changes I just thought I know obviously he wants to play this three-man defence it would seem and the new director of football supposed to be an advocate of that um, sort of system as well he's written a book on it um, although albeit the three-five-two 5 2 formation which they haven't really played yet in the 343 4 three, hasn't it but um, yeah, he wants to look at the freeman man defence again, and um, I, I just thought some. We weren't when we saw the team sheet. We weren't sure who was going to be playing where, and okay, it was pretty quickly apparent once we'd started. But the, when you look at an eleven and you're not too sure who's going to be doing what, there's always going to be sort of question marks, no matter who you're, you're up against, about what. Like as Gav's alluded to. Patterson and Townsend occupying similar areas of the pitch. That only comes with time and understanding. So, yeah, I thought they overcomplicated things at times in that rather than just doing the basic things well and you're going to be better than them at everything, But it just overcomplicated it. And, uh, yeah, it's just, like you said, like Gav said, credit to the manager. He did make that change early, maybe could have waited a bit longer, maybe go towards the hour mark. But, no, we saw that and he changed it to start the second half and it was it was much better if if still unspectacular.
1: Mm. We've mentioned Patterson a couple of times now Gav. I mean what did you make of his general performance in that first 45 minutes? I think personally I thought he was quite vibrant made a couple of contributions defensively as you like as you quite rightly said I do think him and Townsend kind of got in each other's way going forwards Townsend was coming too far wide in my opinion I think he should have been uh, a bit further inside as Anthony Gordon was on the opposite flank. But you know what 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 did you uh, what did you make of Patterson?
2: Uh, I think you've got to remember who we're playing against, obviously. <laughs> um I thought he was did okay. I, I was th- thinking at the start of the second half wouldn't it be with his strengths wouldn't be better keeping him on the right back and think Kerry, then Kenny sets up on doesn't he? You know? <laughs> so, what do I know, you know? Um, <laughs> so yeah I, I thought he was it was fine. Uh it's taller than what you think, isn't he? Mm-hmm. I, yeah. my impression um, you, you always have an impression of the players, don't you? And when he's actually a bit on the tally, but he's actually taller, a bit more ranger than what you think. And I think, uh, yeah, no problem. Plenty of promise there. You can see he's got an attack and bend to him. And um, he can consider himself unfortunate to be taken off at half time, which Frank spoke about that, didn't he? Uh, mm. Today in his press conference, you, you get the impression that it was not maybe a decision that Frank was maybe came easy to him to be honest with you but uh, yeah no, no problem so far but bigger bigger tests to come for him but he's had big mm. tests before hasn't he um, yeah. so yeah put it this way you, you looked at him and think oh this is not going to work with this lad is it you know I thought it was, <laughs> it was, it was, it was all good
1: mm. Well I mean sticking with you Gav there you mentioned John Joe Kenny there and you know a couple of months ago it seemed like his Everton career was going to filter out to a rather uninspiring end but over the last few weeks he's He's really turned himself into a, a quite a useful utility player, hasn't he? He played three positions last night in the end, centre back, right back, yeah. left back. Got himself an assist. Just before he got that assist, he should have got another assist when Rondon headed that one over the bar. So, you know, it, it, does it does it raise up some some questions if he can keep up this kind of you know utility man sort of form from now until the end of the season, does it does it raise the question of perhaps a new contract?
2: Yeah, of course, because the alternative being he goes on the frame, you have to spend money to um, get somebody else in. Uh, perhaps, yeah, um, Frank spoke about him quite highly, hasn't he? I thought, um, there, are, there are times where you just think, I'm not so sure about that. I nearly mean, scored an own goal in the first half, didn't he? And, um, <laughs> yeah. About five seconds later, kicked the ball from the right-back position to left-back position into, into touch, but... Yeah, he sort of Dennis Irwin-esque, wasn't he, from, you know, left right like back to left back. There was one great outside of the uh, boots passing in the second half in the left back position was Carlos Alberto against England in 1970. Yeah. All the times you can, you think, oh, I'm not so sure. But he certainly gave the manager the decision to make, mm-hmm. uh, to be fair. But, he, but he's done two things, hasn't he? He's given the manager the decision to make. But mo- probably the most important thing for him, is that he's shown he can, he's got a bit of capability at this level, which means hopefully for him, if he does move on, there may be maybe more f- suitors for him than what there would have been three or four months ago. Um, mm. So it's, this isn't, this is a welcome question to be asked, this isn't it? And he's a local lad and all that. So th- th- that's, that's nice, isn't it? Um, mm. But yeah, he, he hasn't done himself any harm, has he, over the last few days in terms of the Man City game and, and, and last night, um, maybe could have had the goal himself, of course. But yeah, he, he's he's one he's one who's fully benefited from the Lampard uh, arrival. Mm.
1: And it's always it's always good from Chris, isn't it? That he's showing that he's got these multiple strings to his yeah. bow, isn't it? You know, I think traditionally we probably before this season would have only seen John Joe as you know an out and out right back, yeah. maybe a wing back at a push. But now he's playing in a in a lot of positions over that back line, and you know. You've you've got to take the opposition into account. Last night, of course, but you know he has filled into multiple positions over the course of this season, and he's done it quite well, hasn't he? Yeah, um, I suppose the value
0: of the old-fashioned utility man has sort of gone down in that because the squads are so big now. Obviously, the older fans remember Alan Harper playing in multiple positions, and even like uh, other players um, over the years for for Everton who sort of filled in in, in different areas. So given that there's so many options on, on the bench now, maybe you don't need somebody who's the, the jack-of-all-trades, but yeah, it can only be helpful for John Joe, the fact that he's proven himself to be, you know, a more than competent left-back. I mean, there was, um, I just remember um, Cucco Cu- Cu- uh, yeah. it was obviously it was, it was featured in the programme at, at the weekend, Um uh, having to fill in for Leighton Baines, of all people, at left-back and even helped himself through a couple of assists on, it, on his left peg. So... Yeah, it's an interesting one because John Joe, out of all the players who were out of contract this summer, he's the only one currently involved in in the, in the team. Obviously, Begovic came in played last night. He was very much a second choice keeper. So yeah, of all of those players, he, he he's got to be the sort of the, you'd imagine the only one who's got any chance of sort of win, winning a new contract. And and I, I, I spoke to him myself earlier today. We've got that one coming up at the weekend. It's interesting, um, wasn't given a great deal away in, in terms of um, whether his time with some will extend beyond the current season. But yeah, he's it, it, enjoying life on the Frank Lampard, and it, um, I think it has given him a, sort of like a, a new uh, lease of life in, t- in terms of that. And uh, yeah, all he, like you he said, all he can do, I've definitely given too much away for what his embargoed copies are saying that all he can do is continue to keep playing and uh, see, see where that takes him.
1: Mm. Speaking of new leases of life, Gav, uh, Salomon Rondon will be hoping that he gets a new lease of life, won't he? Two goals last night. I mean, I know it was against uh, a non-league opposition, but he's still got to put the the ball in the onion bag, as it were. (laughs) He he did it twice.
2: (laughs) He says we don't resort to cliches on this podcast. I. Eh?
1: Somebody, <laughs> <laughs> some, yeah. some uh, questioned whether I could be positive on this podcast. Yeah. And if you, I, if, you, bag,
2: <laughs> <laughs> if, you set, if you did not set onion bag, not not bag, I definitely would have said onion bag. Uh, <laughs> yeah, look, looks, uh, he looks half a stone lighter, doesn't he? Mm. Pre Christmas, uh, more mobile though. Like the rest of the team, he wasn't that mobile in the first half. That was one of the problems. Um, yeah. Two goals. Um, possibly the worst sliding tackle I've seen a goodness in a long time now in the second half where he slid in and he still yeah. ended up about about a yard from the ball when he finished sliding, you know. Uh yeah, I, it's a, it's another option, isn't it? Uh another confidence builder. Um, you know, and there's there's no no harm in that, uh to be honest with you. And um, you know what well, he, he got us out of a hole, didn't he, really, there? After, what was that, an hour or so, was it? he be gone. And it was a yeah. good, good, good finish at the near post and, you know, classic far post had the yeah, So good for him. We play, as I was saying last night, um, play Crystal Palace in the next round. He's got form there this season. <laughs> so maybe he's just sending a message to Frank, you know, keep me in, keep me in for uh, the Palace game. And i'll uh, do the bit again at a uh, seller's part but yeah a bit better like kenny just good to see and it gives you another unexpected question which is nice
1: hmm. aside from his goals chris did you uh, did you see any promising signs from rondon last night well something to what gav said um he's a little more mobile now it's been it's been a long time
0: coming hasn't it but um it was unfortunate because obviously he was very much seen as Rafa's man, yes. wasn't he? And that he was previously played for him at Newcastle United yes. and uh, Alien Pro as well up uh, in China. So, you know, when things were going bad on, on the Rafa, and, and they were for both the player individually and for the team collectively, it was sort of like an easy target, wasn't it? Oh, well, he's Rafa's man and, um, yeah, no, it's all his fault. And um, it... He sort of emerged from the the, um, the shadows of Benitez now. Um, he's not played particularly uh, a lot of times under Lampard so far, and just an opportunity for him to show that, you know, because he, he's, uh, unlike these ones who are under contract, I think he has got another two or three years, is it? You know, still to go. So, you know, he is, despite being 32 years of age, he's one of those who might be without him for, for a little while, longer yet, and... Um, Yeah, I think we've given the uncertainties over Dominic Calvert-Lewin, it it is nice to have another option. and We'd like to be in the position where we would be saying, well, Dominic's fit all the time and Rondon will only play in in fits and starts, which was kind of at the start of the season, the the way we were sort of seeing it, because Calvert-Lewin was very durable. Mm -hmm. We sort of thought, oh, he's not going to miss many matches. Rondon can just sort of ease himself in and play a, a bit part role. But he's ended up playing a, a lot more than we'd expect and probably a lot more than we'd have liked. But, yeah, given that there are the concerns over Carver-Lewin, um, the manager said today he was looking good in training and he hoped to have him, I to have him back for Tottenham Hotspur Monday night. Um, There aren't any guarantees is That the way things have gone for Carver-Lewin this season. So um, it is important to have another option up there, but especially with all these rearranged games that are going to come between now and the end of the season, they might end up playing twice a week. A lot, a lot of them going to have to be filled in midweek. So, yeah, I suppose it can only be good that uh, Rondon is looking sort of sharper and uh, finding the net again.
2: The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. We'll look ahead to the Spurs game in a little bit. But Gav, you know, it's been a busy, busy old week, even off the pitch for Everton. Everton have, uh, with, you know, earlier in the week, we announced that Everton had suspended their commercial agreements with USM, Megafon and Yotta. Uh, we saw last night when we were at Goodison Park, the big Megafon sign had been taken off the park end. We'd sort of seen all the USM stuff covered up on the advertising boards. There was nothing to do with USM or Megafon. On the front of the program or the team, she thought, or, or anything like that, you know. And you know, we, we we've seen a lot of these sort of decisions, you know, across many companies in the UK over the course of the last few days, haven't we? And you know, it, it's just a it's a really interesting situation for Everton to find themselves in right now, isn't it?
2: It's an in- a situation for lots of reasons. You don't want to find yourself in. Mm. It means that there's something serious going on abroad, which is affecting us all, and. In- Know one of our players in in particular, so it's terrible from that perspective. But the the consequence of that is is the club is then replaced, and they say not the only one, not the only organisation in the UK uh, with some awkward uh, choices, and they've obviously made the right one here, I think. um basically suspended this. You know, how long's a piece of string? Um, mm-hmm. Contracting. You know, contracts are very difficult just to cut off, um, you know, cut the cord on them. Uh, The clubs, I think, you know, um, bought themselves a little bit of breathing space here just to just to see how things go, because as we all know, it's all fluid. Whether, you know, the likelihood is, though, given the way the wind's blowing and um, what's going on, whether we see those you know those sponsors around Goodison and Finch Farm again have very much, very much doubt, uh, To be honest with you, but I think the club has just bought themselves some some time here, um, which I think is understandable in the circumstances and has done done the right thing. incessant to see Machiri as um, relinquish the chair, chairmanship as new the USA, mm. but obviously means going forward, um, and it will stretch into the next financial year. I would imagine that. Gonna be twenty million down. Probably fifteen to twenty million is the, the current deal. That mm. was to continue into next year. But the count, the, the, the counter to that is yeah, I, I get that. Is we spoke before the, the the TV rights go up next season because the overseas has gone up by thirty million at thirty percent, which means we that sort of we, we lose twenty out of commercial, but we'll get uh, twenty million back through the overseas TV rights, probably maybe a little bit less, but we've also got commercial opportunities, um, you know, because we'd be looking for sponsors probably. And also as well as Chris alluded to, there we've got, I think four players, five players coming off the books in the summer, which collectively with the transfer fees and wages, we'll get 30 million pounds back there so it's not as if next season we're going to be just losing 20 million pound down and that's it you know there's other swings around about sad so um it's not as in that context as losing the sponsors not as damaging as what it might be 12 months ago 24 months ago because we're mm-hmm. actually coming out of that really difficult periods where we've been carrying a lot of people off off the pitch who are not playing and paying big yeah. money for them so it's 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 not the way there's always a bad time but it could have been worse to be honest with you but you've always got to see it in the context of the the global position which let's face it is uh, horrendous isn't it really yeah mm, um, it certainly is it certainly
1: isn't it, it it's not just everton that's affected by this either it kind of raises a wider question about the football and world really and, and where where teams get their money from where like, you've seen eddie Howe has been grilled over stuff like this i think frank lampard's dealt with these questions very well, I think yeah. Thomas Tuchel uh, in uh, over at Chelsea has dealt with these kind of questions very well as well, hasn't he? But it's it, it it does raise these you know very very sort of pertinent questions, which arguably should have been should have been asked a few years ago rather than just now. Yeah, it's interesting. I uh, see
0: when Frank was 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 asked. Frank's so always tries to be honest. it would seem when he's in these kind of dialogues, and he said there are certain things that he's comfortable talking about, i.e., football issues that he can give you an answer on, but some things. Even himself, he, he doesn't know the the, the full picture, or um, it's not something he's particularly uh, well um, sort of briefed upon. So if he can't answer the question, he'll say I'm not comfortable with, with, with addressing that. But uh, yeah, the thing was with Everton sort of different, I suppose, to Chelsea and that they had. Um, a Russian businessman who, who owned the club and as we believe that Abramovich is reportedly trying to um, sell the club right now whereas the, the association with Mr. Osmanov who is obviously the, <clears throat> the businessman has been sanctioned now by the EU, the UK and now the USA is that um, he was only a sponsor and there wasn't any sort of official link I mean his companies were obviously officially linked to absent in terms of sponsorship deals and he had the, the naming rights with the stadium but despite um, at various points, because you remember the, in the past when we've done stories about Mr. Osman often potentially sort of formalising in any sort of relationship with Everton, there was often a lot of excitement that came with that. There were certain sections of the Everton fan base because they were aware of his, his vast wealth and what, what he would bring. But it, it, it has always been a question, um, an issue when you've got these, uh, the, these people where the money is actually... Coming from and uh, how ethical that is, and always like you say with Newcastle United and the and the Saudi money that has that's been a, an issue, and it's only like I said, it's only taken this war. It's taken this war now, and the fact that uh, Russia has invaded Ukraine that people are questioning that whereas before. They 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 just seemed happy, you know, who had the deepest pockets almost. Um, so I think it, it could have been worse for Everton in that you know this was a sponsor who they have been able to remove, and let's not forget he was a very long-time business associator for uh, Mashiri and Mr. Mashiri Is it to cut those ties or has chosen to cut those ties now? Um, and the big question that everyone has been asking is, is with the stadium and uh, you've done that article just now with, with Lango Rock's statement as far as they're concerned. You know, it's, it's it's business as usual and the plan is very much going ahead because I guess the question, the answer to the question that most Evertonians want to know is Mr. Mashiri has paid for all his preparatory works and actually getting the site ready to build a stadium on, but still not been disclosed where they will be borrowing from for the actual line share of the cost of the stadium. We're told everything's continuing as usual, but I, I guess we still need to know who is going to be funding that that stadium going forward. And that's always been the case. But yeah, the fact that Mr. Usmanov has been able to be dispensed apart from, from Everton's Point of view, it could have been worse. And either if you had a situation where somebody like Roman Abramovich
1: actually owned in the club,
2: the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
1: Gav, let's uh, let's focus back on the uh, on the footballer hand for Everton. Traveling to Spurs on Monday evening, uh, what's going to happen when? Uh, what I think are probably two of the most inconsistent sides in the Premier League. <laughs> what happens when they come?
2: Uh, ahead on ahead on Monday evening. Um, I think it's it's an incesting game and I think it could be a, bit, a little bit toxic, couldn't it? I was mm. going to say White out Lane there. Eh? It's just one uh, it's just natural, isn't it, to say that? It's Stadium is it still. Yeah. Um, called. Yeah. Well, there, there's a, going back to Chris's point about Stadium sponsorship and mm. things, they've still not got a sponsor, have they? yeah um i think that's where the the usm thing could be damaging to us but uh i don't know in terms of they are inconsistent because have had a couple of dreadful results at home bad results at middlesbrough they're obviously not going to win a trophy this season i think uh i think that's pretty yeah I don't know, they've got no chance of winning a trophy um could be a bit of restlessness in the home crowd there that maybe we can take advantage of uh, to be honest with you Um i don't think they were that good at middlesbrough had a decent team out and um, hopefully we can take advantage of that be interesting to see how frank plays it will he will he play the, the sort of man city tactic you know you know city three across the middle and uh, take it from there and let Spurs come at us uh, and i think it'll be interesting to see how he sets up he was asked today wasn't he about the away four <laughs> it's, it's just such an obvious question to ask isn't it really and I think he was pretty pretty okay with that, wasn't he? He didn't see any weaknesses as such. Um, and I think, yeah, I think we can take advantage of uh, Tottenham's... Um, in- instability is not the right word. Certainly lack of, lack of consistency and some of the, the instability off the pitch because Conte's obviously had a few... There's been a few issues there as well. So I think we're well-placed to... Um, take advantage there, aren't we? And we let's face it, we need the need the points. Don't mm-hmm. we? Thankfully for, thank you. we don't need to buy Brendan Rodgers a, a beer next time we see him, don't we? For that result mm-hmm. on the Tuesday night was it? Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah. Can can game for us I think on, on Monday. Mm-hmm. I'm looking a bit more confident about it than what I was seven days ago. Mm-hmm.
1: I think what Gav's saying in in terms of taking advantage of the game, it's not just about starting quickly and starting on the front foot. Because to be fair, I think Everton actually did do that against Southampton. Mm -hmm. It's actually being able to create chances when you do that and then being able to take those chances as well. So are you confident that Everton will be able to do that uh, on Monday evening?
0: I'm I'm afraid for once I'm not quite as confident as as Gav, not quite as bullish. I, I don't know. I don't know, like I said, they got two very, awfully inconsistent sides, but Tottenham are still quite a bit better than Everton are <laughs> for most yeah. of the season. Um, and traditionally, it's not as fixture. Everton have, have done well in for, for a long time. I you know they had that little purple patch under David Moyes quite a few years ago now. I think he got good. Was it possibly back-to-back back wins at the old White Hart Lane uh, around one time? But yeah, I, I, I fear. I, I just hope that Away ball has been so bad. You've got to hope at some point they they pull one out of the fire and there's that encouragement from the way that they played against Manchester City. And maybe I'm just getting um, getting ahead of myself here. Just maybe the Delhi Ali factor could 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 Delhi go there and just even off the bench play some sort of uh, inspirational role. That'd be interesting. Like I say it could be interesting how they finish rather than how they start for mm-hmm. this one. Can can they last it? You know if it stays nil nil for a long time. Maybe just nick one uh, later on, rather than like say, coming out the traps quickly and uh, taking the game to top the main. That not, not, might not be the way they can go about it. But mm. yeah, um, I, I'm I'm not too sure to be honest. I think it'd be I think it'd be a, a tough one. I, I, personally, I, I'd be happy if Everton took anything from this fixture.
1: Mm. I mean, I suppose it'd be nice to have a little bit of narrative go our way for once. If yeah. Deli Ali was to come <laughs> back and potentially score a last minute winner at his old home. But uh, Gav, looking at the Spurs lineup, we could do with Harry Kane not being in as good form as he's in right now, couldn't we?
2: Yeah, when you say narrative going in our favour, you mean VAR gives it gives us a decision. Well, you, you've, oh, you've, you've, you've looked ahead to me
1: next question, yeah?
2: Oh, yeah? Anyway, yeah, yeah. well, he's a great player, Harry Kane, isn't he? I mean, I was talking about Calvert-Lewin a couple of weeks ago about he needs to learn stuff off Harry Kane. Um, he's just a... Um, you know, he's one of the best cyclers in the world. You know, that's painfully obvious, isn't he? Isn't it really? And um he's a player to be fair, but Spurs is just Spares, aren't they? <laughs> you know, there, there is a Chris, I reminded me there, by the way, of a relevant fact is since since 70, we've won six times at Spurs in three consecutive years in the mid eighties and three consecutive years under Moy. So I haven't won this last season are now expecting us to win the next two visits in the league to uh, to Tottenham. Um, so th- that's uh, that's the yeah. historical precedence and uh, <laughs> moment to work with. Yeah, we've got to be on our guard. I mean, it's all, this is the type of game you think Yerry Meen would be uh, useful, wouldn't you, really? Um, but, yeah, if, if, if it's all about – if Keane and, Keane and Holgate concentrate for 90 minutes, like they did last Saturday, then that's what you need, isn't it? Really, hmm. well, the concert's over
0: eight minutes. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> I was gonna say, but, then- he's such a difficult player to mark now, isn't he? Harry, the way he's he draw, he come, comes deep and he you know finds space and he creates and he's developed in such a wonderfully, um, such sort a of versatile player over the last. Eighteen months, two years—it's no no longer enough to 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 say he's a top striker, is he? Isn't you know, He's now a, a top footballer, mm. and um, yeah, he's uh, he's got a bit of previous against us, hasn't he? Really, you know, he, he likes scoring against us. Um, so yeah, he'll be uh, he'll be one to 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 make sure we we, we mark out the game if possible on Monday. Mm. And as Gav mentions, the bees obviously we had. Have- the penalty scenario
1: last weekend of the game to Manchester City, and a lot was made of it at the time. And mm. Everton received an apology, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Do you think this is a point where Everton have kind of got to be a, a tiny little bit ruthless and start playing this up as much as much as possible to try and get decisions in their way? Because coming into games such as this one, going away to Spurs, it's not going to be an easy game. But you know, if you get a VAR decision go your way for once, then it could be it could be the key to you getting a result. Yeah, definitely, you know, given the, the, the desperate stakes down
0: there at the bottom of the table. You know, like twice have been sweating over the last week or so. I've mentioned it, the Burnley result. Again, wait till later on, unless they've got those two late goals. Everton could have been going into this game, the bottom three. Still might do, you know, whatever you mean. But is it Burnley got Chelsea at the weekend? So, they've got a harder fixture possibly than they did have. But, um, yeah, there's something Michael Ball spoke about to me in his column on, on Monday, saying that... Um, he felt that Everton had been too a soft touch for many years on this. That they'd not been getting the the sort of the um, the rubber green with decisions with referees, and they weren't talking it up. You um, said, look at Sir Alex Ferguson, what he used to do at Manchester United. He'd get you know fines now and again, and it was worth every penny because next time put that seed of down into the referee's mind, think, "Ooh, wh- where am I going with this one?" And you maybe get those marginal decisions. Uh, I think. Unfortunately, it was such a big thing. It was made about the Everton non-penalty was because it was against Manchester City. You know, anything involved with Manchester City and the fact that it was also involved in Liverpool in the title race. Yeah, that's why we, there was so much exposure. it. I don't think the world as a whole felt desperately sorry for for Everton as much as everyone inside Goodison Park. All those home fans were quite rightly aggrieved by this blatant decision had gone against them, It was because of the context. It was because it was Man City in the title race and because it was Man City against Liverpool in the title race. And that's why it was such a big sort of drama over it all. And um, let's just hope, because there's nothing really tangible we can sort of say that and can take from that apology (laughs) other than, you know, your own pride, vindication, and that, you know, the the chief executive, um, Denise Barrows-Baxendale, has sort of spoken um, we believe in, in in such sort of um, damning terms towards um, the, the Premier League referees chiefs and what had gone on. So, yeah, you just got to hope somewhere down the line that that does actually benefit Everton and maybe. But I mean, you don't even say whether a fifty-fifty goes our way, whether just a decision that should be correct <laughs> yeah.
1: goes Everton's way at some point. Yeah, right. Predictions time, Gav. Everton against Spurs. Well, Spurs against Everton. Sorry, on a Monday evening down in north london you see you were positive
2: before i i conscious of a, a friend of mine accused us being far too positive about ridiculously positive on their uh, <laughs> on our forecasts <laughs> you know when all evidence suggests that we're going to get these still say victory so i'm going to carry on with that because i i've got a good feel. i i just got a good feeling about about uh monday uh, I get, I get. to say, when I said that on Monday and the pod that they are hopefully will be more, uh, more leaning towards us because of the apology, and that that infects officials' uh, judgment. So that's covered that off. Yeah, I'm going to go with. I, I can see us getting a win. I just got a good feel at the moment that maybe we're just teeing in a little bit of a corner and um, on and off the pitch. So one nil to the mighty Blues, and we'll uh, we'll go with that.
0: Ooh, I'll, take, wow. I'll, I'll take that. I think <laughs> Yeah, he, yeah. Um, um, I think that's very bold. I, I, I hope Gav is right. Um, <laughs> I can see, um, and even this would be a positive, uh, a repeat
1: of uh, what happened at Goodison Park, and possibly nil nil. I believe that would be Everton's one hundredth nil nil. Was it Gav? Uh, can you can you can you clarify that? Would that well, be Everton's one hundredth Premier League nil nil like that?
2: Yeah, I think I think. Isn't isn't sp- I'm not, I'm not the hundreds, and now it is, I think isn't the two most common ones, Evan and Liverpool and Everton Spurs. Oh, I God. think uh, been losing nil nils with Spurs over the years in the Premier League. Uh, I'm 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 bluffing here, By the way, because you caught me yeah. off guard. Uh, I'm sure yeah, this, was such, this was a stat that you yeah. said you the City game. <laughs> I'm sure was was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, actually. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, isn't it? Hundred yellow? Was it hundred red cards as well? Red, we're, we're on yeah.
1: ninety-nine red cards and we're on ninety-nine. Yeah,
2: and so 99, yeah, yeah. yeah. We ones first. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> maybe both. Maybe both. And, 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 and ninety-nine incorrect VAR decisions as well. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, to round us off, I think I'm I'm a, I'm going to go for a for a one-one. I, I agree with the draw. I'm not I'm not quite there with a with a win. But I think a draw would be a positive result, to be honest, as I say. I do think Spares have got a lot of quality in them. So, you know, to to go there and take a point back, I think that that would be invaluable in the position that Everton find themselves in. But I think that's all we've got time for today. Uh, we'll be back at the start of next week. Well, not Monday, obviously. But we'll be back on a uh, Tuesday, probably next week, to, uh, to discuss Everton's game against Spurs. Me and Chris will be... Will be travelling down to London on Monday afternoon, so you'll be able to follow all of our analysis and reaction on the Liverpool Echo's website. Uh, Thank you for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast.
2: You've been listening to the Royal Blue
0: Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.